Hello and welcome to the No Holds Barred Witchcraft Podcast. That was weird. I don't like doing that. You'll I'm get so used, used to, to that weirdo saying it. I'll get used to it eventually. So um, tonight we're going to talk about um, the traditional method. So believe it or not, this is actually a getting ready session, isn't it really? We're trying to um, get certain things out of our system in ready in advance if if you haven't heard already um as liam put it quite frankly <laughs> in our first episode and how we didn't get actually cut off i do not know uh, we now have a new um youtube show should we call it a facebook live youtube show we're on um, paranormal tv everyone for paranormal tv um and yeah so we obviously have to do a lot simpler version of this because they're not witches um obviously as what do you, what do you call them liam paranitwits paranitwits so um you know or so we paras to... paras for paras sure for if sure. you're actually saying it to their face you just abbreviate it to <laughs> paras but really that stands for paranitwits paranitwits so I'm trying to think when we coined, when that phrase was coined, actually. I think we did that quite some time ago. Was it one of the first episodes of the podcast? I think we got a podcast episode we're supposed to be doing on it. It was an idea for a podcast episode, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. But yeah, so tonight we're kind of get So we're supposed to go live this evening. Obviously, this is um, back in time. We're on the 10th. Time for you guys. The 10th of... 10th of March, March, is it today? Yeah, 10th of yeah. March today. We got our episode of Fausty Witches later, which is Fausty what we've Witches. called the show. So come and check us out. Obviously, you won't, it's nowhere near uh, as highbrow as this is. Um, it's, <laughs> but Liam is trying to get, Liam is trying to get uh, upper budget kind of production going on. He was trying really hard last week for episode three. Um, or was it, it was episode three, wasn't it? I think it was episode. You're doing all your two. your camera changes and stuff, weren't you? Oh yeah, I had I used it. It was on candle magic, wasn't it? And I had a camera yes. for the candle and a camera for <laughs> me, and then you had a camera as well. Oh, it was all so fancy. You don't get that on the it YouTube was. channel, do you? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so we got to get prepared tonight, which our session is going to be on magical charms and traditional folk magic. No, it's not. It's on Cunning Folk. So we folk. thought. She's Ka- it? Cunning Folk. Oh, Karen, sorry. Karen's named the episode Cunning Folk. But okay. this episode now is called um, Traditional. The Traditional Method. The Traditional Magic. Back when witches had balls. Even the girls. <laughs> <laughs> Especially the girls. Yeah. Old Fanny Cranach and the like. Old Fanny Cranach and the like. Definitely. When is her book going to be ready, Liam? I have had to shelve it a little bit because um, the person that is helping her write it, Raven Grimsby, he's actually quite ill at the moment. So he was, because she obviously Fanny Cranach, a local cunning woman from the West Country, she's uh, she's getting on in years and she wants to put her information down in a book. But like a lot of old cunning folks, she's completely illiterate, can't read or write really. So she's got some uh, <laughs> some local Wiccan, Raven Grimsby, to to write, do the writing. She just dictates it and he kind of puts yeah, it down just... in fancy English and spells it all right and that. But no, I have been asked to if I would do a forward to the book. So oh, okay. I am going to do one, but it won't be a nice one. So whether actually actually get published <laughs> or not, we won't know. I don't know if Troll we'll Books... See. If Troll Books will publish it, I don't know, because I don't <laughs> intend on giving it a nice review. So, you know, it, it is going to be one of those things. But, yeah, th- there we go. So, you're leading this one. So, what what's going on tonight, then, or today, if you're listening on the car on the way to work or somewhere? <laughs> Uh, so today we're going to talk about right. We're going to talk a bit more about Raven Grimsby, aren't we? Are we? Because we also had another. We're going to have a. Are we talking about um, the fact that we had uh, 
folk magic, traditional weapon. I'm not even sure what we're talking about today. <laughs> it's called the I've traditional method. You can see why I normally do the hosting part and the intros and stuff. It's called the traditional method. We're talking about traditional witchcraft for crying out loud, and not the Keldon um, yes. sort of traditional witchcraft. Proper traditional no, witchcraft. We're not talking. We're not talking PKTWs. No, because we're talking. We yeah. We're talking PRKTWs. Pre-Keldon <laughs> traditional witches. Pre-Keldon traditional witches. Okay. Well, then I suggest you tell us a bit more about what you think traditional witchcraft is, Liam, because obviously you're clearly the expert on it. When Thanks I to our think, funny clinic. when I think of, well, I mean, she was my best mentor. Fanny Cranick was. She taught me all of the best dark magic that I know of Fanny. Uh, dark is our Fanny. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't think you're allowed to say things like that anymore. No, but there we go. Um, <laughs> bless her, old Fanny Cranick. She is a bit old and whiffy. And she does smell a bit now, but, you know, I, I don't even know how old she is. But I, I'm looking forward to it, finding out a little bit more about her, because apparently in her book, uh, Fanny Cranick's Village Witchcraft, there's going to be a section a little bit about her backstory and stuff. So I know she's got interesting relatives and things. And I've heard that, well, she was a bit of a one in the day, and she's picked up with a many... Uh, ceremonial magician stuff quite famous people apparently so i'm looking forward to that but there we go so anyway so what was your question sorry <laughs> give us the flavor for what you consider traditional witchcraft to be prkdw okay so i would say prkw is magical practice that comes from europe from the medieval period until the 20th around about 20th century um early 20th century maybe before so it ends really by the end of the victorian period the reason for that is i think that magical practice changes considerably when we get to the 20th century particularly with the invention of the nhs and with police yeah. and stuff like that access that everyday people have to um changes. law enforcement uh, science, education, healthcare. healthcare, all that makes a big, big difference. Um, so what we've got is really that word witchcraft and kind of what it means. Yeah. Because the problem is, is that throughout that period of time, from medieval period onwards, the word witchcraft actually does seem to change a lot. So depending on who's using the word, it has many, many, many different connotations. It originally starts with being, it's always negative, it's baneful, maleficent, black, evil magic. If you practice left black, evil path. magic, well, not modern left-hand path, no, because we know that they're all a bunch of, well, never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is bad magical practice, essentially, and quite yeah. mysterious, because, of course, back then, you wouldn't start normally coming out and saying, well, I'm a black witch, I'm this, I'm a working against you, because there was a lot of laws in place, and that was a very scary thing to do. So if there were witches a-working, they would be doing it in secret. Now, Yeah, in the broom closet. In the broom closet, which there would have been an actual broom closet back then as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, whereas what happens is as it changes, because there's witchcraft laws that prohibit maleficent evil magic and labels people that practice that as witches, the powers that be tend to say, if they don't like you, then they'll prosecute you, steal all your property, throw you in jail, maybe even kill you in some instances. And, you burn know, the witch. Burn the witch, hang the witch, drown the witch, all that stuff. So, what you've kind of got is you've got People that aren't really practicing Maleficent magic, but they're still getting prosecuted for witchcraft. Some of it's history, like the famous witchcraft trials of Salem, Massachusetts. There weren't really any witches yeah. there. It's just completely hysterical people. Um, other instances, there are magical practices, but they're not necessarily baneful. So if you've got yeah. the priest, the local parish priest, 
and that Paris priest doesn't like having to put up with a certain old wise woman, he might... Hope he's got more clients. Yeah, he might accuse said old wise woman of witchcraft. So she might be a, a magical folk healer or something like that. Don't matter. Midwife. He's just going to turn around and say, ah, she's a witch, get rid of her. Similarly, like you've said before about in terms of it's very easy to pick on certain types of people. So if you've got a, someone that goes against the Finster. grain, that's a little unusual. Say you've got a woman that's never married and she's quite wealthy. Uh, what was the ways of targeting said women, Chris? You know, to steal their what, property. targeting a spinster? Yeah, targeting a spinster. Yeah. Well, yeah, because, you know, either they've not had children and therefore haven't had to have, go through the costly process of bringing up children. Um, obviously, very different cost to now. But if you've been able to, because you not only don't have children, so they're not, they've got less outgoing, but you've also got more incoming because you're able to work for longer. So, you know, these spinsters were able to, you know, make, make yarn, make cloth, other, um, you know, handicrafts that were able to make them money, which means they were single women with lots of money and lots of influence because of it, because money talks, um, as opposed to, you know, these other women. The other option is, you know, back in the day, you could still acquire finances if you're a widow. Mm -hmm. And until you were married again, you were actually independent. It's about the only time you were. Um, is after your husband died. So, you know, most men that wanted to progress were trying to marry the witch, the uh, the witch, no, the rich widow, <laughs> get me words out, in order to control her influence and her finances. As well as that society worked a lot differently in that if you're a pleb in the lower classes, you haven't really got a lot. But if you're even just a local magistrate and you're in with the local parish council or the controlling council or whatever offices that are local then you know that's essentially cementing your position of power as well so if you've got someone maybe she's a slightly wealthier older lady that owes a, owns a bit of land that she's inherited but if you accuse that person of witchcraft that that land and such doesn't then pass on she hasn't got any heirs so that will get absorbed into yeah. the local county which you run yeah. and own. So literally you can see it as a case of, well, that woman over there, she's a little bit crazy. If I say she's a witch, we can seize all of her land, throw her in the slammer and no one will care because they'll think she's a witch. Now, I know in the 90s specifically, there was a lot of kind of feminism that went on that kind of pushed that kind of, well, witches were always strange women that were rebelling against the patriarchy and stuff. And there may be situations of that, but let's not label witchcraft in that tiny bracket. I mean, when you go to France, for no. example, far more people were, uh, far more men were prosecuted for witchcraft than women. So you've got the cunning yes. folk over there. So it's not really as simple as saying, it's not that simple. you know, it's actually a very muddy word, the word witch. And it's got a lot of connotations and yeah. a lot of history. And it changes because people often I've heard magical practitioners say, oh, well, they never used the term white witch or black witch or anything like that. Well, actually, they did back in the 1700s because it changed yeah. from being a which is just a bad practitioner to all of these other local cunning folk being labeled as witches to the local coming folk saying well okay yeah fine i'm a witch whatever if you're going to call me a witch call me a witch but i'm a good witch i'm not a bad witch yeah. i'm a good witch so then you've got the word witch meaning bad magical practitioner to it meaning magical practitioner to people not being able to distinguish between magical practitioners so then they come out with these ideas of i'm a black that person's a black witch or I'm a white witch, or yeah. I'm a this, or I'm a that. And um, it's just gone from there, really. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, I wouldn't say polluted word, but it's a word with a huge amount of history. And I do wonder sometimes, past the 20th century, when things got a little bit love and light, because the root of traditional witchcraft, I think if I was to sum it up, is survival. That's what it's about. Yes. It's about... 
for Bible. You is a really good way to put you that. You are someone with magical knowledge, knowledge of herb lore, potions, all of that sort of thing, divination, and you're able to service that community. That community needs you. You're an integral part of that community. If there aren't any police, if there aren't any doctors, you play a very important role within that community. And because you are different, and you will be different, all different people are a certain, to a certain extent kind of outcasts, aren't they? So, yeah, and and in order to do that job, you've kind of got to be that. Is that you know, uh, that you've got to be that different person that everybody knows of, but nobody necessarily knows. It's one of them, isn't it? Where you kind of so they're so reliant on said person um, that they've got to kind of remain a little bit aloof because yeah. they're too busy. Um, <laughs> Because you literally would be doing everything that's necessary. You know, from one day you might be delivering mm. babies, for example, to the next day you might be, you know, cursing um, an entire family line of yeah. of crop bearers. But there's a couple of things that is really important that we pick up on. Um, we're probably going to talk about hereditary witchcraft at some point, but let's leave that for the Patreon yep. because we can so let's leave that yeah, for the Patreon, and instead, let's really delve into the archetypes and difference, that kind of cut-off point of the 20th century, when it stops being really traditional, traditional witchcraft, and starts turning in something else. And you can tell by the work yeah. that the people do. So if you look back at all the references to cunning folk, and you do a little bit of digging, you'll find that the cunning folk would help farmers... You know, there'd be midwifery there, there'd be veterinary skills, there'd be this, there'd be that. It was all necessary for everyday yeah. life. If you, if your chickens came yeah. down ill or your livestock came down ill and there aren't vets, the farmer would know an awful lot about their livestock. Don't forget that. A lot of these farmers, they're yes. raised with a huge amount of knowledge that gets passed along. Even farmers today know a huge amount. If they're proper farmers and not just the people that move from the city and buy a little bit of land and start rearing sheep. But proper farmers and that around here, I, they can speak about... Because yeah. vets are, vets yes. are expensive. Um, <laughs> so, but if, if you're looking at what the witches did, you're talking about very, very practical things. Utilising things that are around the house or on their local lands. There is no eBay. There is no dedicated magical tools. Because you can't afford that. They're not <laughs> they're not ordering crystals in no. from China and You don't Malaysia. have necessarily tarot cards. You might have some playing cards if you're lucky, but you wouldn't have that. What you would have is you'd have a fresh batch of eggs from your hen house. So you might crack yeah. an egg and do egg region or something yeah. like that, which still survives in various different places, but most of the time people associate things like tarot cards with witchcraft divination and stuff if you move to the 20th century people do still go to professional witches they still do go to seek out the art of magic or practitioners that so say practice the art of magic but they come for very different things they don't necessarily come for healing unless it's something the doctor says they can't fix they don't necessarily come always for justice because they have the police and such what they do tend to come for is, I want to speak to the dead, or I have a terminal condition, yeah. or how can you help me with this because the courts have failed. So now you've got less the local cunning woman down the road, quick fetter, I've broken my leg and I don't want it to be infected. Now it's a case of, well, I went to the doctors and we've had all these scans and that, they still can't tell me why it is and now they're saying they might have amputate my leg. What can I do? Oh, I'm going to have to go and look at other alternative therapies and practices. You're not going to do some Reiki then? Uh, let's not talk about Let's not talk about Reiki. Come on, please don't talk about <laughs> Reiki on this. But... Yeah. So the archetype of the traditional witch is what lives. The archetype of no nonsense. Yeah. Straight to the point survivalist and necessary jack of all trades or a specialist because that's the thing we talk about witches nowadays i think we think of like a doctor you go to school and you learn an awful lot about medicine 
Whereas back then, you may be yeah. talking about certain cunning folk, particularly, that may be only specialised in certain charms and fingers that got passed along. Um, you don't always have... It was more of a case of the more famous you are, or infamous, more likely, the more you could do. And yes, <laughs> there are instances of cunning folk yeah. practising magical arts. There are ones I, I did a blog post on... Um, farmers and stuff managing to those that were literate getting hold of um, Heinrich Agrippa's free, free uh, books of occult philosophy. So there are cunning folk and stuff that had access to yeah. that. But, yeah. So what about the archetype then, Chris? How do you see the archetype of the traditional witch? Does it vary from what I've kind of said? or what Do, do we mean the modern one? Well, traditional we witch. Mean... So what springs to mind when you think of traditional witch? Because I kind of just, you know, summed up a little bit about trying to slot into periods of history. Because before medieval times, were there witches? Did the word exist? <laughs> but it's one of those, isn't it? We had, I, I've, we've talked, we've touched on this before, where essentially the, the word doesn't exist. But the archetype yeah. does. So, you know, you would use, a, you know, you would think if you go back to kind of the classical period or before, you've got a different set of archetypes. You've got, you've still got the spinster. So the, the traditional witch kind of is still there in that sense as the um, the archetype in that way where it is the, the crone part where where these modern folks steal the crone idea from of this you know cunning wise woman um good with handicraft good with words um very knowledgeable you've also got kind of priestesses and sorceresses are your different kinds of categories that you get of witches you also get kind of your demigods and stuff where you've got um, the closest you get is these kind of sorceresses, which are kind of half divine. Um, and then you get seers and priestesses and all those sorts of things that are able to command energy or ask and petition on your behalf. So that's the kind of intermediary kind of stances. You don't have necessarily the word witch, which for me, you know, witch is still very is a very practical word. That bits you were saying about cunning folk throughout different periods and stuff and traditional practitioners is that practical mm. aspect and i think that's sometimes what's lost in modern uh representations of the word which is we lo we lose some of that practical it starts being stuff. turned into a religion it's gone it's gone a little bit too yeah a religion or it gets too too magical yeah. too disney uh where they're trying to talk about concepts that are bigger than the day to day um, and I think that's what's kind of lost in some of the modern translation part but is um, but yeah my traditional archetype of a witch so when I think of her I think of yeah that wise woman or man um, I still I still can't help going towards the feminine um, I know that is wrong and I know how wrong that is but it doesn't stop my brain going there for the mm. archetype is going back to this kind of you know, um, uncouth um, person from the edge of society that was integral, but left at the peripheral, like that whole point of existed with. And they do fall in and out of favour. Like I do think of that kind of like, you know, where they go a bit dodgy that one moves on and we get a new wise woman that comes in. I think some people think of them as part of that they don't travel. I think his part that I think often gets there is that they oh they've always been there. She's three hundred years old. She is where I think kind of you know whether it's a mantle, it's a title that kind of carries um, from from which to another. So you know maybe this Merlin guy did exist for you know three four hundred years, and actually it was a title as opposed to a person. And actually went from one to the other. Obviously, Merlin is also that cute little bird, isn't it? There's a whole species of, of owls that are called Merlins. Yeah. Um, that those kind of linkings for me always tie into that mythology. I think what's so special about the traditional witch um, is that mythology that goes with it. 
they must have been so important based on the fact that the mythology is so rich um you know that the archetype is so strong um you know which nowadays kind of splits into kind of mage and and witch and and all that kind of sorceress and all those different words that form different archetypes of classes of witch from the olden days that you don't see now um and they haven't translated they are the mythology is still intact i think for me that they kind of exist still in their own period like we look back at them and even with the kind of you know the PKTWs is that kind of trying to reach back at it and touch at it even though it would never work in the public you know in the modern day because you they, they would never fulfill mm. that role now because they're not needed as midwives and and as a replacement for a doctor or a magic you know a replacement for lower level country disputes you know it would be you know that's the other part that often is forgotten you might have the wise woman is the woman that you went to when you got a dispute a kind of civil dispute between two people that kind of goes no that corner of that far that you know that field he's been you know he's been cutting into my part of the land for so long and they would they would settle disputes between um between farmers before you had formal formal land rights and magistrates before they existed you, they would settle they would settle dis disputes like that in some parts of kind of eastern europe yeah. and russia um that those, those women still exist there is women that you would go to that between two oh you know he he reneged on my deal and you would go to the the local wise woman to settle that that dispute like you know they depending on depending on the time period and the parts of the world that you're in, you know, they don't exist. I don't think they really exist nowadays in the UK. Um, or they're trying, like Fanny, to uh, pass on their information before they go. But the actual role itself doesn't really exist. Only within the families. What you will find is you find the arc, you yeah. find the matriarch or the patriarch of the family who is the person which, when the family yeah. is in dispute, that's normally the person that sells it. Well, imagine that person, yeah. that matriarch or patriarch, the respected member of the family. Imagine that person being the person in the village and imagine the family being the village. And they're normally that person yeah. for a reason. It's because they're strong and necessary. So they might not be the leader yeah. that wants leadership and wants to lead but they are the person that everyone knows they're the person that everyone relies on they're the person which the witch <laughs> so we've got literally like three minutes left and i think that there's a super important point whenever you pick up a book on traditional witchcraft that's supposed to be pre-cowed in traditional witchcraft you're only ever looking yes. at cutting folk practices I've got a book called yes. Cursed Britain. I think it's a crap book because it talks about Cursed Britain, supposedly a history of black magic. It doesn't talk about black magic. It talks about cunning folk practices. The cunning man or wise woman was yes. the person you went to to undo the black magic that's set upon you. So where are these secret practitioners, the original black magic, the witches, that were the original witches when the, the word just meant maleficent magic where were they throughout the ages from the medieval period onwards where are they today and why don't we know about their practices and i think we've only got one minute left so we might have to actually answer that one in the patreon <laughs> which is worth joining the patreon <laughs> clearly <laughs> <laughs> but the um I'll try as quickly as I can, but I think that in the short, the answer is <laughs> they probably do still exist, but at the same time, are they as neat? Are they necessary in the same way that they once were? Um, because those sorts of people were the people that, you know, were the revenge. They were the they um, the harpies of of the world. Um, the vengeful ones 
that were gone to in order to deal with it. Nowadays, I suppose you've got hitmen well, instead. You've got like the Brujas, Mexico. You've got the bad witches that you'd go to to screw over yeah. your ex-husband or something. And then you do see a lot of that still today. But, and we're out of time now, so I'm going to have to continue on the Patreon. Hello, <laughs> darling Patreons. But you obviously have the, um, the, there's a kind of an archetype of you go there. But were there people that did that? Because surely you would find references of those. Or was it the fact that the black witches were the people that were magical practitioners, but they were just having a bad day? Or was it that you were the person, if you wanted to get someone, you'd do the black magic? And you weren't really a witch, but you were an ill wisher. You know, so or is it just that is it Ooh. is it just that all of the black witches and stuff like that actually it's just everyday people. Nowadays we don't think of witches as that person that I cut up on the roundabout when I was driving and they cursed me. We don't really think of it. We see that as petty magic. But actually, no. you know, things yeah. like that can happen. Or is it even again, is it that there are people that practice actual darker arts that are interested in that and because they're interested in that they become what they work with <laughs> i think it really depends on the time period because if you're going back as far as kind of pre pre pre-medieval into the roman byzantine any of those going on there you had entire priesthoods that were designed yeah. for exactly that so they were they were the they were the assassins guilds and uh, you know um, and the gods that you would go and petition specifically for cursing, you know you only have to look at right it up into the kind of Iron Age uh, Britain and looking at places like Bath is that you knew you knew the deities that you went to petition for that sort of shit like you know you did it yourself it was I took the rage. Um, wrote it on a little cursed tablet, threw it into the hot springs at Bath, you know? Like, there is that... You would take that, I think, upon yourself. The only times that you're really going to go and seek out somebody to do that sort of stuff is, is, is if you're wanting a professional hitman. Uh, you know, I didn't just say that in jest. It was a case of, you know, if you're really going to employ in inverted commas uh somebody to do that kind of work you're not wanting somebody that's not going to do actually get the mm. job done are you so you're going to either have someone really specific who knows how to kill somebody or it's part of that cunning well if you've got knowledge um, then knowledge is power you can use that for good or bad so all these cunning folk and you'll see it you can see it in if you look through the um, the cases and that a lot of cunning folk they weren't just doing good things and they weren't just doing bad things it was a mixture but it's there's that kind of assumption yeah. that well someone's done some bad magic on me so therefore they must be a bad person that just does bad stuff all day every day you know and and i suppose going back to more ancient times so not what i would consider to be traditional witchcraft we're talking about stuff before that you could think of um, some things that you would see as being in the light of day, like maybe um, Delphi or something like that, that's super famous. But at the same time, think of yes. some people that may work with deities or may work for de deities in temple complexes that may be a bit darker. And although it's not their main purpose to do Maleficent magic, that's the one that you'd go to if you wanted to do that. I think of it like parks. Yes. So there's a picnic park called Tog Hill, right? On the edge of the M4, I think it is. By the light of day is a picnic park in the evening. It's a picnic park. However, it's also a dogging spot. Now, there's, there's, there's yeah. the thought of, well, that's a dogging spot. That's a dogging spot. The thought is, oh, Persephone. That's just for hexing. That's dark. That's evil. That's just evil. When actually the picnic spot for someone that doesn't understand it is just a picnic spot. But for someone that does understand, 
it might have a reputation for yeah. becoming a dog in spot. Yeah. Such like certain uh, energies and gods and goddesses and spirits and such may start to develop a reputation for more maleficent magics, maleficent magical practitioners working for them or under them or part of their temples and that. But actually it is a little bit more different than that. So here's the most popular one. Okay, that you hear a lot about. You certainly heard a lot about in the 20th century. This paganism, okay, because you're thinking most cunning folk were really some form of Christians, some form. There's a lot of different types of Christians, but that was the predominant religion. A lot of the time there was kind of this idea of surviving witch cults, the Margaret Murray kind of idea of, well, yeah. back in times, ancient times, we yeah. were pagans. The pagans got beaten up and killed by the Christians, so everyone became Christians, but a couple of them went underground and carried on their practices and became, a, you know, yeah. a secret lineage traditions of this and that. And there's no evidence necessarily to support that. Uh, when you look at folklore and stuff, then you can kind of see pagan influences. What would you say to that? Because I find an interesting example that is really kind of eighteen hundreds, nineteen hundreds, and twentieth twentieth century. There's a really good one that I thought of earlier when when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about later for Feisty Witches. Um, but I want to see what your take on is in explaining that and why people think that way and how that might have worked really is it their witch cult thing is that a thing or is it not a thing what's your thoughts on it well the best example i can give of it is is mithras mithraism i can't i can't speak today um where there is parts of um all over the uk where you've got um temples um very small temples to where they're kind of like you know basically porticos or a little mm. cubby holes um where certain deities mm. still had space so you know um so you know mithras was is one you can go and look at existed and you know to a certain extent that becomes the kind of underground churches here when it because paganism stuck around here for a lot longer than it did in other yeah. parts of europe um and was actually the integrated part of it happened, uh, you know, you know, when you go to the Roman period before before Christianity takes hold, um, you know, they had to because our gods here were so strong, uh, you know, our connections with our gods here were so strong, um, you know, paganism was a lot harder to beat, uh, you know, even switching from one kind of paganism to another. When the Romans arrived and kind of pairing up certain deities like they did all over Europe um, was a slower mm. process. Um, and therefore, when absorbing Christianity eventually, when that arrived here, the same happened again. You know, it had to make allowances um, using <laughs> the saints are a perfect example of that, where you still have parts, um, parts of Ireland where St. Bridget is strong, where the the wells are still parts of those well, comp you know, around certain wells, um, where the, the witchcraft yeah. still happened under the under the guise of um, of saint cults. So, you know, I think there's definitely room for it here, definitely in the UK um, and Ireland, etc., I'm assuming the same happened across Europe, but I'm I'm not as as well. Mm -hmm. It's too modern for me. You know how it works. Um, my knowledge on it is limited, but but yes, I think they still existed in the same way. There were house shrines, etc., and certain sacred sites in inverted commas um, that still remained part of, you know. To a certain extent, yes, Stonehenge was still a ruin. Uh, didn't mean it wasn't still hiding practice at the time, while Christianity was still a ruin. I think when I explain it to people, 
what I tend to explain is, a, is something that modern that they can research and that they can see because it's such a modern thing. There's a lot of evidence that you can see and structuring it, whereas there's not so much evidence from Roman times to medieval times, particularly with that sort of thing. And there's not a lot of practitioners and stuff today. Um, that are from an unbroken lineage or something. But what I say is if you want to understand how the paganism left and turned into traditional witchcraft and magic, study the origins of hoodoo and the slave triangle. You have African religious traditions, African people that were forced yep. to a different land, a different place. They were forced to adopt Christianity they mixed with a lot of other people and that practice through every generation changed it didn't become less African and more Christian it was a byproduct of both Christianity and the original traditions and of course a lot of people when they think of hoodoo they think it's just um, ethnic minority people and African traditional religions when it's not because of course you're talking about class you're talking about a slave class you're talking about an yeah. immigration class you're talking about a class of people that aren't you know that are segregated from the rest of society so you're talking about perhaps someone from I don't know the Caribbean mixing with a Native American because they're still outcast mixing with some Irish and all of the traditional magical practice and stuff mix. What you have kind of with paganism is you have, yep. particularly if you're talking about Britain, you're talking about the Celtic, because it's not really a Celtic religion, but you're talking about the different tribes slowly being forced to adopt Christianity. Yep. Some of the practices get turned, you get kept. But the key point is that if you are a child, you're being taught by your parents. Who were taught by their parents so whereas some celtic tribe may start off being some celtic tribe when they meet and are forced to adopt christianity or they decide to adopt christianity some of the practices go through but bits get changed and tweaked throughout the generations and it becomes if you get fabric and you put red paint on it and stain it if you keep washing it and throughout time, it stops becoming red and starts becoming pink. And that's what you kind of find, is you find that a lot of the time, the folk magic, the towns, the superstitions, they do come from somewhere. But that thing is lost yeah. because it's not a structured, never evolving tradition anymore. What it is, is traditions constantly are clashing. And to the point where now, of course, you've got a lot of the modern paganism movement and you've got them trying to reconstruct and remove bits of Christianity and stuff. Instead of embracing things or starting again, they want to try and get back to some sort of original yeah. purity. So let's talk about witch blood and magical witchcraft within okay. families, because that's another one that kind of gets peddled and there's an element of truth to it. But okay there are magical practices that aren't religious in nature but that stick within families and family lines what what are your thoughts on that oh you know how i'm not very good with this um, um because i i come across i i come across bloodlines all the time uh, particularly when meeting people um and I don't mean that from magical points of view. I mean kind of like, you know, the the, the subtle flavour differences. When you meet people for the first time and you're like, oh, every now and again, you're like, oh, how did that get there? Where you can uh, taste a sense of, you know, um, I've got a good friend of mine, Ben, who um, somehow, somewhere along the line, has some kind of red Indian in him and I don't understand how that's possible but um, it's definitely mm. a flavour there and actually makes a lot of sense as to what he does in life um, and I know that's slightly off tangent but yeah they, they are about I don't think there are that many of them still where they're not of they actually know I think that's the problem is that there is 
I think there are there's still witch bloodlines about. Um, I just don't think they practice or even know anybody from their families that mm. do practice. Um, so if I think if somebody's rediscovered their lineage, um, it's a surprise to them rather than something, you know, or something grandma joked about um, and they finally started to take notice. I don't think there are very many trained family lineages anymore where the information is physically passed. Okay, yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's something you would say or agree I think with. To a, yeah. um, but I've certainly not to come across To a certain many. extent, what I tend to think of it, as this is something that actually is, uh, I could relate to my family, uh, but I won't relate it to my family, I'll use someone else. I know someone who's a great piano player, they have long fingers, they can do the keys, yeah. the stretching for the scales, all of that, they're great at piano. They didn't learn... Yeah how to play the piano from their parents because their parents don't play piano. They learn yeah. from going to piano school. But they do yeah. have relatives in the past, the past on the genes, that were actual piano players, concert pianists. So you've got lineage there to a certain extent yeah. of, okay, you're a piano player now, you've got an innate gift for that, that does come from other people in your family, but there's broken lineage there. So you will have witches today that are great yeah. at the craft of magic that weren't taught it by a living relative, but there are witches within their families. No. But what you also have is you have someone that I also know, which their mum and dad both were very musical. They both played piano and they taught their kids piano. So there is a lineage there that might go back one yeah. or two generations. You get that kind of with magical practice. People have innate abilities, of course, and they may decide to foster those on their own or seek out like-minded individuals. However, there's always broken points. So eventually, even if you traced your lineage back to the past four generations were piano players, you'll also get a blockage point where that person, assuming the piano still existed back then, it wasn't something else, that they weren't. Much like <laughs> witches, you'll go back and you'll find yeah. that actually, if you look through your family lines, there are some magical practitioners. The yeah, there's the odd squib. squib or there's the odd witch. If the majority of them are plebs and squibs, then there are the odd witch. So it doesn't really matter. All it matters with yeah. is everyone has their own... Um, innate abilities everyone's different and everyone's magical practice should really be different because you're unique therefore your magical practice and such is going to be as well but there's an emphasis on nowadays yeah. particularly I think in the 21st century where people have a cultural disconnection and don't really know who they are they want to feel like they belong to something that they cling to lineage yeah and that means nothing. Lineage yep. means nothing within magic. All that all that matters within magic is your ability. Can you best your opponent? Can you Power. best your opponent? Whether that be another witch or a spirit or what? If the answer is no, then it doesn't matter what your lineage is. If the answer is yes, it's probably not because of the lineage. It's probably because you applied yourself and maybe you did get lucky and find good mentors. But, you know... It's food for thought, anyway. No, I, do, I think it's. I think it's an point. In it, it's an important point to make. Is the fact that it, you know, the same the same way that it's done with the gentry. It just because you hold a certain name does not mean you're going to be particularly yeah. good at anything. Um, you know, there will be the innate abilities that the family is known for. Um, you know, that's how that's how the slogans and mottos on crests appear is the fact that they have made a name for themselves. Hence, you know, focus on the actual t term there, made yeah. a name for themselves. It is something that has been forged. Um, and, you know, some of those bloodlines have to hold on to that in order to keep the the. Um, but the problem is and, and why. We find that the, the gentry, to a certain extent, is outdated for certain 
is a forced tradition. Um, and that sometimes is what happens with lineage, where they are so used to trying to still forge that name for themselves moving forward. Um, I can imagine that Gardner and, the, and his ilk would be turning in their graves looking at what Wicker has become in some senses, um, just to give an example. But you've now got, you know, splinter cells have, have, have occurred as different branches of Wicker have kind of stretched out. Um, I think what is interesting is that neither of us want to create any kind of tradition. And I think that should mm, speak volumes. Yeah. Magical traditions are like businesses at the end of the day. It takes a great entrepreneur and founder to create one that person may be able to pass that on to their next generation that may increase the size of the business and the profits and such. But eventually some air comes along, they're in up to the job and screws it all up. The Hermetic of the Order of the Golden Dawn, Victorian Secret Society, there were a couple of people that knew what they were doing. They passed that on to another couple of people that knew what they were doing they couldn't pass it on to anyone else that knew what they were doing. The order still exists to this day. Most people don't know that, but it does exist to this day. And it's run by complete moronic, yeah. inept practitioners that couldn't magic their way out of a paper bag. I mean, it's the age old kind of thing. Hence why it's, <laughs> hence why it's a secret organization yes. that is not secret. And I'll only just <laughs> say this one word, if you want another example, of one which is a mediocre tradition, but then got even worse. Hashtag Wicca. <laughs> you know, it's a case of, you know, that pocket of, you know, innate ability is what forges a name. Beyond that is whether or not they can keep up the, the ante. If you're not getting people with that innate ability attracting to that then you know it's not going to stay the also problem is a tradition is limited by that is what rules have been put in place if those restrictions aren't useful to the next generation mm. why would they keep them yeah uh, i think it comes down to when people are trying to find their magical path like we get asked what is my path can you help me find my witchcraft path what sort of witch am i what sort of magic should i practice when you look at the old cunning folk, it was all about the personality. It was about them as individuals, their personalities, yeah. their personal ethics, the culture they're from influences their magical practice. Their magical practice isn't doesn't influence their them, their culture. What it does is they influence their magical practice. When you get books like this one, Black Toad by Gemma Gary. <laughs> what that tries to do is set down magical practices. You don't get a fit and label it as traditional witchcraft because what they do, these sorts of authors, they'll take something, they'll take a group of practices and say, traditional witchcraft, this is what a load of old witches used to do from the past couple of hundred years. If you do those, then technically I suppose you could call yourself a traditional witch. When actually it's not the practice that makes a traditional witch, I think is the archetype and the culture of that. Yeah. Same with uh, other things. Yeah. And it's not just magic. And the mod and the modern world doesn't allow for that archetype mm -hmm. to exist because that that isn't that isn't doesn't fit into mm. modern society anymore. So really at best you're going to be yeah. recreating what is yeah, possible. You can go in on these, like we like to talk about and disc the Facebook groups. You can go in Facebook groups that are dedicated to hashtag traditional witchcraft. You'll find the same people posting the same things and copying books. You'll meet traditional witches, you'll meet proper witches. And if you get a hundred of them in the room, they won't all be doing the same thing, but there will be a something there that links mm -hmm. them. And it's normally a personality and outlook, that sort of thing. Our old Lady Poison, right? We don't practice the same way that Lady Poison does. She would be classed as a traditional witch. She comes from a tradition of traditional witchcraft, unlike us, which we don't. Yes. 
But there's something there that we get on, we get on with her, we're friendly with her, our practices are similar and our ethics, morality, journey, path, that sort of thing is similar. We're on a similar path that you'd probably put in the witchcraft umbrella, but we're different people and we don't practice the same thing. And what? No, not at all. So is there anything else we're missing out? <laughs> it is. <laughs> just just an extension of that, really, of this. It comes down to, I think these days, is a sense of belong. Yeah. Which is the it, which is of belonging, which is the the issue I have with it the most. I think is because the tradi- these traditional witches, <laughs> these cunning folk, it weren't about belonging. No. They had something to offer to to the mundane. You know, it wasn't about, they weren't in it to, yes, they might take an apprentice, and I know we've covered this before, in order to make sure that that's still available. You know, maybe the hundreds of centuries, the, you know, several centuries of Merlins yeah. were, were a cult or were a title that people inherited. But, you know, it, you're still down to the fact that actually... These weren't people trying to fit in. <laughs> These were pe- skilled people that had something to offer. And I think that's what's lost in this modern revival of witchcraft. Is that people are too busy trying to define themselves by a set of titles. Yeah. Rather than actually having that self-discovery and going, well, actually, what do I have to offer? What I am, am I actually achieving? Um, and surely the work should speak for itself. So you shouldn't be getting clients because you've happened to find a niche that makes things pretty. It should be because the product you are offering works. Yeah. Now, it being pretty might be the way in which it works. But, you know, I'm going if you were selling jewellery, um, for example, you may craft the best jewellery. But you don't see that. What you see is a lot of the same. Somebody finds a technique that other people like, so they manufacture more of it. Um, You know, where you kind of like, okay, well, there's not just one store that's just doing that specific type of earring. There are 300 of them. And they're in every colour. And they're all using the same supplier. And you just kind of like, okay... What is this actually achieving other than flooding the market with the same product? I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, Just because you can make something cool doesn't mean you should, is what I think mm-hmm. I'm saying there. Yeah. If there isn't, like, you know, I'm, kind of, I'm all for everybody. Like, lockdown's a perfect example. How many cake shops have all of a sudden appeared online where people are... are forming cake shops in their kitchens um, and selling cupcakes. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) not everybody needs to have a shop. Um, Because if you sell a good enough product, people will find you for it. Yeah. Like, you know, I just, I, I suppose I miss part of the artisan, that kind of specialist that just knows how to do something and, you could go to them and go, okay, well, I want this. Make it me. Yeah. And they'll go, yeah, sure. No problem. Uh, another thing as well. Um, when you think about today's magical practitioners ver- worse, uh, versus yesterday's or several hundred years ago, um, nowadays it's all about the magical system. Nowadays you find, I'm an Alexandrian witch or I'm this witch, I'm that witch. Back in the day, there was no such thing as anyone talking about the system of magic. It was, I'm Granny Boswell. You know me because you know the name Granny Boswell. Nowadays, you know what I'm about because I say I'm an Alexandrian witch. They're famous by the system, and the system is what's famous. Back in the day, the practitioners were famous. They were famous. It wasn't their magical system. Their magical system started and ended with them. 
They passed on knowledge yeah. to other people, but they did not pass on necessarily magical systems. Nowadays, we have an obsession with creating magical systems, labeling, our, labeling ourselves as people of that or qualified in that or of that tradition. Yeah. Back in the day, it was never that. And that's why it was a, probably more successful because you knew that you'd be passing 10 or 15 wise women or cunning folk to get to Granny Boswell. You'd go past 10 of their houses, but you didn't go in any of those. You went to Granny Boswell because she's the famous one. She's the one everyone talks about. She's got the best success rate. That's why you'd go to her. Yeah. Nowadays, people just go by the traditions. The, well, there's most of the books all talk about this wicker, and this person is a, a high priest. That means that they must know a lot about it. So I'm going to go to them. What they don't do is they don't yeah. go by this person has a reputation for really knowing magic. But there we yeah. go. I think we're about out of time anyway. So bye everyone. Yeah. All I want to add on it. <laughs> all I want to add on the end of that is is um, Granny Boswell was particularly good at abortions. All I'm going to say. <laughs> oh. I'm going to leave you with that thought. Yes. <laughs> Uh, goodbye then, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>